Welcome to Ausfilm Creatives, a podcast about Australian creatives working behind the camera. My name is Peter Sylvester and I'm your host. Welcome back, listeners, and we'll continue part two of Mark Wareham's uh, interview. So we'll continue to discuss Mystery Road, the TV series, and also Don't Tell, which is a feature film he shot, and talk about a little bit about the industry and what the future looks like for us. And on Mystery Road, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about the actual visual style that, yeah, that, like that time lapse that you talked about with the, the ute, like... It was an interesting, iconic image to me because obviously that was sort of like the key to the story in a way. Um, was that sort of the the themes that you wanted to play with, like in a way, or and Rachel with with the symbolism of certain things in the story? The thing that I really wanted to come away from the Kimberleys with is I wanted to be very, very. I wanted to be very clear to everyone that we shot in the Kimberleys. Mm. Now I, you don't always have to shoot everything because you shoot things here like we've just been shooting clickbait in melbourne that's meant to be in america so yeah. that's by the by you, you do that and yeah. that works yeah you know and you do insert shop in different places but I, I was very conscious that i wanted to capture the feeling of being in the kimberleys mm. now one of the things when i first the first night i arrived because i hadn't been to Cunanara before i stayed in a it wasn't a motel, it was like a resort. And on the wall, there was a picture of a Boab tree with a astrophotography. Mm. There was a local photographer called Ben Brody who ended up being our drone pilot and assisted Murray on nice. that. And he, he'd been taking it. Look up Ben Brody, he's a pretty amazing character. But he'd done all this. They got, they're mad up there about Astro and they're mad about the Southern Cross and they're mad about all this stuff. When mm. I saw that and when you go outside and you see this, you thought, because of lack of pollution and where you are and all that stuff, the sky is just oh, it's so phenomenal, amazing. Mm. So we very much in the visual style. There was Rachel wanted it to be very earthy in colour, that colour mm. of that that orange earth, mm. and and she wanted to play more in the colour palette of those earth tones and stuff. Um, so that was in a and uh, that was in a sort of the colour palette, but yeah, no, we very much wanted to have iconic images where, and and a lot of the discussions about the time lapse. I mean, I don't know. Do you know much about doing astro time lapse? Yeah, um, yeah, I've done my my share of it and mucked around with it, but I'm yeah, not. Yeah, but I'm you not... know that whole thing about you know because everyone says, oh, you know, you want to shoot on a full moon and all that. Yeah, like, no, you shoot on a quarter moon. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, like. You know, to get the skies not bright, and when you get a bright sky, you don't, when you get a bright moon, you don't have a bright sky. That's you know, right, and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. You know, yeah. it starts looking like daytime, and you know. So, um, yeah. So we were very conscious. So that the first piece of time lapse to start was written. They wanted two days to think, but then what we did is we decided instead of doing a title sequence on every every subsequent episode we decided to open every episode with a time lapse sequence that had something about that episode mm. rather than having a title sequence that had so so in a way we traded out that money in the budget and this becomes another thing you know you you end up uh what's the word you know you not not you end up 
you know, you, you have to be, everyone says, oh, you just go and do what you like. Well, you don't really because the problem is that you'll get to the point where you run out of money and you don't mm. shoot the whole thing. So you've got to be a little bit practical about how you spend your day. So, you, you know, you do that horse trading with yeah. stuff. So we knew that we wanted to do each beginning of each sequence and then we'd, because within those time-lapse sequences, there's live-action shot stuff cut in, in between it. Mm. And so the trick was making sure that you got the density of the sky and the brightness. Of, the biggest thing was we was doctoring the car to get the lights dim that they didn't look too warm. Mm. So we put tiny globes in them and, that you know, just, just balancing exposure and all that stuff. But we tested the shit out of that before we shot it mm. and we worked it out. You know, like I even showed what them... You know, with the iPhone, even took like little time lapse things around things just to get an idea of what the movement would be like, and mm. you know, so that we could work out how long time. Rachel drew a little storyboards and stuff of you know the moon, the sun coming up over the horizon and stuff, and it's it's amazing mm. how um, similar it is to the sequence. Graphic aerials, low light silhouettes. Of stuff that we took from the and and also his reference for that was you know no country for old men which was mm. you know Not a reference bit. for that film yeah it was um, similar in, in ways know, that they're, 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 he's the, he's sort of the master isn't he Roger Deacon he's <laughs> someone who never sort of puts a foot foot wrong um, yeah so yeah we really want I really wanted to make sure and and this again was a reaction to doing um, stuff that where I'd done other things and I'd come back from it and I hadn't felt that um, I hadn't felt that I captured. It was my making sure that I, that, that I got, um, that, I, that I came away there and I, I achieved what I set out to do, you mm, know, mm. which was that. So I was very, very careful that, you always felt the background there. So I didn't always shoot everything wide open and do it all mushy, you know. Mm. Use a fair bit of stop as well in those, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was always The landscape was very, yeah, always visible there and, and you were quite aware of it, which was great. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what your ratio of, of indoor to outdoor, but it seemed like mostly outdoor. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We did have a bit of stuff, but luckily it was cut quite quickly. And again, Transitionally, you know, we talked about transitions to get in and out of things, and the editor Deb Peart, I can't. She was up there, and she was great, you know, because mm. we were actually restructuring the story a bit as we went as well. And of course, you know, um, Judy Davis was unreal, mm. you know, like great, but you know, she is so tiny <laughs> and she's okay. so white, yes, and she is so she's so white, yeah, and so. And and Aaron just got darker and darker and darker. <laughs> and, you know, he's got a white hat on because that's what he had in the thing and she's got a dark hat on, a dark outfit. Yeah. Like, you know. So, um, but, you know, Judy also came to some scenes with completely, you know, they're not like, well, there's certain scenes in that thing that, that are not like they're written of Judy, you'd say, on the day. And I was thinking that maybe I'm not here. I drive up and I look out of the car and I see them and I'm and Rachel looks at me and says, that's a great idea. She looks at me. <laughs> and you shoot that. I'm looking at the time going, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we can, we can try. <laughs> um, and then we also knew that, you know, and, and we, we identified some of the things that were in the film. It was just, it, this was very basic. Some of those shots we'd also shot 
we did a little pre-shoot of the Rodeo. I don't know if you remember the Rodeo yeah, scene. Yep, yep. There's a whole well, that was a pre-shoot because it happened to be on. So I just shot that on a Black Magic and an FS7. Oh yes. The operator came up and we just went around and I shot with a Black Magic uh Mini Pro and which was great, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just ran around with that with a couple of lines, you know, it's on the front and that were and just with no lighting and it was great, you know. It was just something that we thought we'd, we we put less is more, but we talked about sort of like the colour schemes and I like even those lights there. I've got location shots for those colours, but yeah, they're sort of it. They're all that's and there's the time lapse. Yeah, yes, and that yeah. was a test. Yeah. So we we shot we sorry we went and actually shot a test of the car. So yes. Ben went out there and we did that. So we didn't even um, so you know like it wasn't like happenstance. We actually Took a car out there, put it there, took a shot of it, like, and tried to work out, and then said, "Okay, Murray, this is what we want you to do." And then he worked out the best time of day, so we knew the lights were too bright, and the yeah, you know? yeah. That's I mean, that's the the um the trickery of uh, Astro is like you know when I do it, I don't have all the cool things like oh, I'll just dim all those lights so I can do the time lapse better. But um, so yeah, I mean, you, you can also go and do stuff with. With uh, with uh, you know, post later, but the yes, thing is yeah. that we didn't want to um, deal with that. We, we wanted to get a similar uh, pickup, please. Um, anyway, so yeah, so there you go. That was um, so that was that was the response more to um, because everyone asked me what were you doing pre, and I said I was I was actually shooting. There's a shot in the opening. I don't know if you remember it too. There's there's a shot in the opening where it's a top-on shot and there's a car going across and there's like some burnt, these big yes. circles where someone's yeah. burnt out off. But Well, that shot, we, it was never shot. That was a shot I shot on. There's a couple of shots in it that I shot in pre yep. on yeah. the drone and we and I said, oh, here's the shot for you guys to go and reshoot it. Like yeah. I shot things to, to, but because we never did it. That was, it goes, well, fuck, where's that shot? <laughs> and luckily I found it. Yeah, like you had it. I kept it all. Yeah. Um, and uh, and stills, you know, I took my, you know, I still, I still use a stills camera, but I usually use Artemis most of the time as oh, well. Yeah. I, yeah. I always do my, um, I always do my, uh, I always use Artemis on location now. Mm. I've actually do a couple of things new. I'm doing. I, I actually my iPad, and I changed this over about a year. And, a year ago, which was um, I used Scriptation from a scripts to go digital. Yep, yep. Which is a which is a script program that goes on your iPad and you can put notes in it. Yeah. And that way, when you update, they give you amendments. Your notes go across to the amendments, and you don't have to, you know. Oh yes, yeah. Just, I'm using that, and I just and I use Artemis um, Pro. Um, I've used it for years, but I really use it because it's just that way of saying to direct the look over look come here look at this is that what you saw yeah, you know yeah. before you pull a camera out i mean i'll still pull my stills camera out and snap a whole lot of shots too you know yeah and i yeah. still just use i've just got it my old canon 5d mark three i've just kept it you know yeah, I mean? yeah i've got the same yeah. um yeah and i still use that and i still like it and i've got an r as well but i just um we use combination but i'm really the quality on the ipad pro for what for what i can 
need to do is is enough. So I just find that they're like the digital things. Is I don't need to make it much more than that. Mm. At least it is a good thing to work out your start and your ends and what's your edges of frame. And I if I park we park park the unit over there, is that going to be in shot? You know. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then our other thing I've always been you know like I do I don't go anywhere without taking a drone now. Yeah. Um, okay. I was carry one. Yeah, it's a recce tool. Yeah, mm, and um, so that I can plan. So I can again plan drone shoots. So because everything's it's all all aerial helicopter aerial shoots or whatever. Yeah. But I will look to see what's up there, so we don't go. Don't go. Oh, fuck, there's a power station or <laughs> you know something. Yeah. Um, and that and that came to me because I, I did a, a few years back. I did a, a music video in um, Greece and uh, with a director mate and they when we arrived they said to us oh well the videographers will be here tomorrow and you, you can they can do b-roll for you and i went like the what and they <laughs> said they said the videographers and these two guys turned up called sam and sam two <laughs> sams two two aussie guys in board shorts and t-shirts good looking you know in their 20s yep. late 20s and they turned up with their backpacks and they're fucking out came their, uh, you know, their uh, A7R with some oh, yep. shitty old lens on the front. Yeah. And they were like social media gurus. And, and they and I said to them, oh, you, you guys would be handy. How do I get in contact with you? And they were GoPro ambassadors and they, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, got they were these really cool guys until there was no Wi-Fi. And, man. These really cool fucking together on a guys fucking melted down when they couldn't get on the internet. Oh, no. anyway, it was really interesting. So these guys <laughs> travel the world. I was looking at their content, their Instagram. One guy's called Sam Evans. Five. Great. You look at his stuff. Like brilliant. And yeah. The other guy's called Sam Erb. He's a ex lifeguard. And anyway, so I, and then we we're up on the top of this hill and he says, oh, do you want, you always want a drone shot of this? And we go, Fuck, that look cool, you know. And yeah. Zip, 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 zip. <laughs> Pulls out his Phantom 3 at the time. Yep. Does this fucking drone stuff that we put in the thing and we just kind of, fuck. And I just came back from that and then I was on a job and we asked for a drone for this thing and they turned around and said, oh, no, you can't fly a drone there because it's too near the airport. Yeah. Okay, we're staying there. We're staying there and I'm, I stand direct the I go, oh, fuck, what the fuck? It would have been great to get this drone shot. And we hear this zzzz, and we turn around. And on the cliff behind the site behind us was a whole pile of brides all getting their wedding photos. And yep. there is like fucking four or five drones, these little drones. And I went, fuck this. <laughs> I'm, that's it. I'm, because I'm just going to get out punched on this. And so... On Mystery Road, I took a Phantom 4 Pro up there yep. as a pre-production tool, but I can't tell you how many shots it'd be. We had an Inspire 2 as well, yeah, which is the main stuff that Broadie, but I can't tell you the amount of stuff that's on the Phantom. Like the dropping the stone down, that one, that's with the Phantom. I did a lot of all these, a lot of those overhead, a lot of things on prep. There was a... I don't know if you remember, there was a scene where there was all these cattle that looked like maggots, like from overhead. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was that brilliant. That was something on yeah. pre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was something in pre. We saw it come and she goes, get your, get your fucking drone up. <laughs> so, you know, so, so, you know, I, I was just, I crashed it 
two quite bad crashes there, and oh, it no. taught me a, taught me a lot about um, thing. I was talking to um, uh, Torsten Durding, You know, does some brilliant work. You know, Torsten. No. Yeah, Torsten, he's a oh yeah, he's a great great DP. He's shooting some drama now, but he's mainly he shoots a lot of really good docos. Okay. And he was cool. telling down the Kimberleys, he said. I normally take, I have three drones because one of them's always getting rebuilt. You know? <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, but I, I mean, I won't, you know, I won't cut the drone guys out of it, but I, because but, I prefer to get someone good, better yeah. cameras and better people. But what it just means is if I see something that I get, you know, I just, so I've, that's something that I've taken on board too, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, that's the thing that the beauty of today's technology that we can, um, cut in footage from these not so expensive, uh, you know, equipment. Well, also too, you know, my Phantom Four. Look, well, drones we're using like say a year and a half before with those GH4s and all that mm-hmm. on them. Like, I mean, I can shoot way better stuff because I also have got all, you know, I've got every ND under the sun, and I've yep. got, I know how to, I've got my thing tuned to the fucking Jesus. Mm. Yeah, you know, the way, and I tell people this is the way I do it. Mm. Know, how, and people always say to me, "Oh, you're a good drone pilot." I said, I'm fucking, <laughs> I don't know anything about piloting a drone, yeah. not, but I know how to shoot stuff. You know, yeah. that's what the big difference is. So, yeah. and anyway, I watch these guys. So, you know, that was a big, that was a sort of change for me to realise that in the world that I was working in, that you needed to be able to bring mix this smaller technology with the bigger technology. You know. Mm. And, you know, and like on that film, the second, basically I shot that all with one camera with a very cam and a set of book anamorphics. It's very little lighting, but in that we got, you know, um, uh, Brendan Isaacs out with his Phantom, not his Phantom, the Inspire 2. And, you know, when he went off and shot a whole pile of establishers and stuff, mm. in, in the spiritual stuff and, all of a sudden, your whole second unit can be a drone unit. Yeah, that can go out and get a bunch of shots in a short period of time, and mm. you know, and give you a lot of production value. Did down to the point where I'll even grab the drone and use it as hold it out the window of a car. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, hurry and can't get a shot, and yeah, you know, or you know, I've done shots like that where we go under the pump and it looks great, and I've said, and they're going, I haven't got time to put. I've just said, no, I can pull the blades off, and just held it there, yeah. put the thing on my lap, and rolled it. You yeah. know. Exactly. They've got this great, brilliant shot. So um, yeah, and I mean the Inspire, so anyway, the Inspire um, one is, um, you know, you can change lenses on it as well, so you can utilize oh, yeah, it as no, a, it's a, it's a tracking you know, camera. It's got its limit. <laughs> it's, it's got its limitations, but you know that's a great. With and you get two, you get good operators. You know, like the well, I love the Heli guys. You know, Brendan mm. Isaac. Um, there's some guys, um, Harpy Creative in Melbourne, the XM2 guys. You know, I haven't worked with everyone, but you know they they've lifted it up because the early drone, the early drone people were a bit shit. You like, and I'm, you got the guys, and they said I'm the aerial cinematographer, mm. and I'm like, fuck me, let's you know, stop <laughs> no. over operating the shots. I just want my, you know, yeah, yeah. Whereas all the, you know, the, you know, I do love Guy at Heli Guy, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got Jeff Jeff Gaunt there as well now, you know, who's He's, a, he's an unbelievable filmmaker because he's got a great, you know, post-production background as well. Oh, there you go. But yeah, so that was the thing with the Mr. Ray. The big, the big response to that was 
that document, but me also wanting to come back from the Kimberleys, feeling that we were the, we'd been there and we captured captured that feeling that I felt when I was there, and I thought mm. I don't want to lose that. Yeah, yeah. I have on jobs in the past felt that that hasn't happened. Mm. And I mean, interestingly, like the title itself refers to, you know, obviously a few different things, but just the title at face value when you say Mystery Road, well, it's this idea of discovering that road and that landscape. So part of the title, it mm. kind of is asking for that in a way. I mean, obviously, it's mm. referring to a lot of other things, but to me, even just that is important that the landscape is part of that story. Like it, it's... And, and it's capturing about our, you know, our main hero. Yeah, so Aaron's character was, so, you know, that's part of his journey. So, you know, I think it's, you know, it was totally. important. That's great. And and it's a great idea. It's a great character, you know, mm. like this Indigenous, you know, sort of like focused in, you know, character who's this sort of like, but he's a detective, you know, yeah. and but he, but he wears a gun on his hip like he's like a cowboy as well. Mm. You know, it's, it's not really... There's a part about it that's sort of like mythical, but also if you actually see, sometimes you see police in plain clothes with the thing on their gun, you know. Yeah. So it's there's a part about it that is, um, you know, which is which is 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 sort of iconic as well, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, but I hope that answers that because yeah, that's yeah. really what the response was, and you know, right, the sort of world Rachel wanted to. To, to um create mm. and the other project I, I really enjoyed that i saw of yours i actually saw it at the funny enough at the winton film festival um don't tell um it looks oh, okay. it was such a sort of a moody piece and i mean the the sub the, what i want to i guess talk about it because the subject matter is quite you know quite a dark and it's based on a true story in a way so like, how did you guys, and and you're working with a first-time feature film director, how did you tackle that approach? How, how did you stay sensitive to, to the story and that? Yeah, well, Tori, again, you know, Tori's got quite different, but Tori has a very visual, a very she, she had a very visual style, but she also wanted to um, uh, play with a little bit of, magical realism as well in that mm. story, you know, and um, and this is interesting, Peter. I don't tell came after another project that wasn't from a true story. Okay. It was based from a book that I felt like we didn't get right. So I was very I was very determined on don't tell. Yeah. That I was very focused on don't tell was to look not sort of writing the wrongs, but um, of doing a truthful story. But yeah, but doing a truthful story, but also giving it some sort of visual, visual uh, style without it being too stuffy, because we still wanted to have a bit of energy in place. And they found that fantastic. Um, we originally going to, and here's, I listen, I think. So what we did and don't tell is when we were. Tori did a, her um, style document and stuff. We were going to shoot uh, 240, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But then when we went and looked at all the locations, I said to Tori, I was looking at all the location photos. Mm. 
And something about cheating and morphing in two four eight, people don't you've got to think about it is what you what you gain on the width, you lose mm. on the height. That's right. You know what yeah. I mean? And just that the wide angle lenses are so bowy and all that stuff that I said to her, you know, I think we should shoot this one eight five because yeah. when I actually look at all the building, everything's sort of like there's a lot of up. Yeah. And there's even though there's some nice landscapes, there's a lot that's lots there's a lot of stuff that um particularly that court print. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, and also it'll mean that using spherical lenses you know, there's some of the limitations. Don't get me wrong, because I actually love using anamorphic lenses mm. for certain things. But I sometimes make decisions based on practical, getting around things practically, and knowing. So in that courtroom, we knew we wanted to shoot sort of very tight on people, or we wanted to be quite wide because mm. it had this great roof. And they found this building. So you know what? In, I don't, what I ended up being is very responsive to what the locations ended up taking up, and then. Mm. Also keeping the lighting very simple, you know, mm-hmm. very, very um, uncomplex and the colour except for, and so she had some very um, specific ideas of what she did. Also, we had quite quite a big heavyweight cast. But the mm-hmm. thing is that what was fantastic is once you get Jack Thompson on board, everyone else, he's like you're getting, it's like, you, you know, you're having... Jack has so much gravitas, not only as an actor, but as a person. He's the first person on set. He's all dressed. He's all ready to go. There's no, you know, he is a consummate professional. Mm. And something he told me that he learned very early on in his career was to always feed the camera. Mm. That you always, when you, as an actor, he was always told as a young actor, when I can't remember, was it on, I think it was on Waking Fright or... Mm. Was it one of Friday? What was the film? He said, we work with an idiot. And the actor always turned to him now, it's your close-up, mate, feed the camera. And mm. I remember he was telling me this. And even Jack, with the, when he'd be doing his off-camera lines and you'd be operating and he'd have his, ear, his hand behind you and he'd be doing his lines and you'd be listening to him. And his, and his voice is like, it was almost like having warm honey poured over your <laughs> ear. I mean, seriously, it's like yeah. this incredible thing. So, you know, Stylistically, we also ended up meeting the actual person who played Sarah West. Sarah West portrayed the girl. We yeah. met her growing up. Oh, wow. You know? um, which is, is incredible that someone allows that story to be told. Mm. It's, kind of, it's very sort of brave, really. And, and, and so you sort of felt like you had an obligation in another way that you were, that you were, you were, uh, a uh, not a confident. You were a um, you've been sort of authorized. You know, you had a lot of response. There's a lot of responsibility in telling the story without glamorizing or making it too dirty or making it yeah. too. And and what 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 um, uh, Tori didn't want to make it titillating at all, mm. but she wanted also there to be a lot of normality in yep. the certain parts of the story as well like family and things so yeah i was very proud of don't tell as well because that was another 25 day shooting wow it wasn't funded by any government funding you know again it's great the local crew and we shot mainly in ipswich which was very good to us and then mm. we we're in we we're in toowoomba for about a week i think and a half. again terrific cast you know mm. um 
and, uh, you know, a great story to tell. And I suppose where were we sitting with that? I think around the same time maybe Spotlight was going to come out. Oh, yes, yeah. Or maybe Spotlight had come out, but we just sort of yeah, thought we wanted right, to then. go in a slightly different path. Yeah. Because um, I thought that was an excellent film, but that yes. was more about the journalist in, yeah. story. It was an investigatory was kind of story, exactly. and it was very good. But, I mean, what I, I what I... What I took away from Don't Tell It, which, you know, was a nice surprise in a way for Aussie films specifically, that it didn't it didn't delve too far into that depressive mode that a lot of Aussie films no. tend to go. And, and that's what I liked about that there was a good dimension and to the to the family and the characters. They didn't they, they, we did cover aspects of it and I'm obviously it's still a very harrowing story to kind of tell, but if you can walk away from a film thinking about it, but not be like, "Oh, life shit," uh, you know, I think um, I think that's that's it achieved it. So, oh, that's nice. I one of the things I um, found interesting was that the insurance company was such a big part of what the the church talked about. Mm. Like they had the meetings and the insu- the person there, and I'm going, "Well," when we're doing the scene, and it's like, "Well, this guy's a representative of the insurance company," and it's like. It really then puts in a head that, you know, at a certain level, it, it all becomes quite impersonal. You know, mm. there's a quite, and I, and, I, and I mean, maybe an interesting thing about here, but, you know, Tori and I spoke. Well, I sort of bought Tori the project because I, I know Scott, because I'd worked with Scott's a mate of mine, the producer, and he asked me about directors and I mm. suggested Tori because I thought she would bring her sort of like she wanted what Tori and her partner James actually did big rewrites on the script. Um, but Tori wanted very much to, you know, and which I love was that scene at the end where the young girl, the older person, mm. the young person was there together. Yeah. So I thought, thought it was a lovely, you know, circular sort of approach to it, you know, and, yeah, I mean, we would, you know, there's nothing in it that's too fancy. She said, I don't want, oh, I'll tell you the one rule she said. The camera doesn't move unless the people move. Oh, yeah. Nice. Right? That was one little rule she said on this film. Yeah. So she said, I don't want to push in on anyone and get the audience, tell the audience how they should be feeling with yes. the camera. You know, I just want them to, I just want to, um, I just want, the movement in the camera is if people move. Once people yep. stop, the camera stops. Yes, yeah. And I said, which I, you know, there was there were lots of times where I thought, you know, in those court cases, you could push, you know, smoulder <laughs> in on a yeah. moment. But Tori was like, no, nah, huh? I'm just going to let that hang back. So there was, there might have been a bit of restraint in that stuff that you probably saw. Yeah, know? and it, that's but sometimes that was, you get the. It's it, it's important because like um yeah. There's the uh, the two plus two approach, you know. Tell the formula, don't tell the the answer to the audience. And there's a beauty in 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 that style of filmmaking because you're letting the audience take in what's happening, and they have to kind of figure it out partly of what that character's feeling, and and not spell it out too much because sometimes, yeah, especially with a a true story, I think that is the point that we don't get the chance to push in on that person and really listen to what they are saying 
So you kind of have to pay attention and go, oh, wait a minute, that person's now lying. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. in real life, let's say Mm -hmm. treating it in a way where the audience can experience the story, you know, a little bit less formulaic in, in the in the sense of cinema you know language um can work really really well you know so i guess there yeah, there you go that that i didn't pick it up because i've only seen it once but they, that's a that's yeah. that, that must well, have been that part a, of it that, that was a conscious thing and mm. um it's interesting because uh it's just been on sbs uh, world movies which is, in, which is interesting because mm. i think yes because to me if i'm anywhere where you can't get internet mm. that's where i that's my little go-to yes you know and i think people it's probably i've got to say it's one of the best resources because you know you, i often watch you know a movie i've got no idea about like yeah. that vincent cassell thing and i saw a film called um the public enemy number one or something french film yeah and he was like a bank robber with his cops and it was like you know um but you know, it's interesting that I got a an email. I've probably got three emails in the last week from people who saw it on SBS on demand, and then said, "I really love that film, mm. and I don't understand why it didn't do better." So, you know, as you know, as people weren't filmmakers; they were just people who responded yeah. to the photography of the film, and that's very nice when you get that. Yes, yeah. Um, and um, you know, sometimes it's interesting because you know. Uh, I try to not be, you know, I try to treat every film as a new project to script. Mm. So I don't always suppose I, you know, I suppose I've got some of my favourite old tricks I go back to, but I try to, you know, use the lenses. And it's interesting, I'll tell you, that, so the lens kit on on Don't Tell was, I don't, just done a commercial actually with Stephen the week before and I said to, and I got the lenses out of camera clips and S4s and they have a set of S4 cooks that has a 20 mil. Mm. So what I did with that is I, the lens sizes were like 20, 28, like a pistol, the normal ones, the 25 and the, so sometimes I'll pull those lenses out yeah, yeah. of the kit, you know what I mean? So you have to go from here to here. Yeah. I'll still always have a zoom, but it'll be just more for drive-bys and stuff like that, which yep. you just kill yourself if you don't do that. But, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just talking about on the actual coverage. So what I find is like one thing, because we show that spherical, one thing when you shoot anamorphic is you find that you only shoot on program, you know, because mm. it's the way anamorphic is and where you put it and, you know, things. So I think we had a 20, a 28, and then we jumped to a 40. Mm. And then I went to 65, and then I went to 100. Mm. So once you start working in that sort of pattern, then all of a sudden where you put the camera and what you end up getting in the frame, sometimes not having everything's actually good. Mm. You choose that. So, you know, that was that was that lens package, that 20 mil, which was great because it was a wide lens, but it wasn't like, too bowy mm. and it wasn't sort of wide it, but it's still got a lot of stuff in 105 mm. you know yeah yeah even 28 28 a really nice lens you know and then the 40 sort of like not the 50 but you end up pushing it in but it gives you a little bit more body language and stuff yeah you know? yeah 
And yep. then you know the hundred we were using, like we were, when we were in here in the in the courtroom, yep. we were really so yeah. So that was that was that approach. And then with the lighting, it was just sort of a really a color thing and keeping it keeping it pretty simple, you know. Yeah. And with those the response to those locations and just keeping sort of gra- and kind of making it graphic. And I think it's that thing sometimes, and it's good with Tori that you can make it. Of course, he's sort of like has that commercial sense. You can talk about a scene and and making that scene work without another shot or something, or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And I I did like the way she she did do the little and the, she cast that little girl she cast was just so innocent looking, but supposedly that's what she was like, yeah. you know. And so you you go at no point does anyone ever go and look at that and go well. I'm, um, I can see how that happened. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> no, don't go there. No, there's no sort of excuse for that. No. no, and the guy killed himself for a reason. Yeah, you know? I mean that whole way, the whole, the whole thing about the whole, the whole story was bizarre. Mm. You know, and Aiden brought an interesting thing to it. But um, I'm interesting. I'm watching at the moment. Um, uh, morning show on Apple TV. You watch that? No, I don't have Apple TV, but yeah, I, I, I've seen the trailer oh, it's, for it. It's 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 free. It's free for a year. Oh, okay. So, there know. you go. I'll jump no, on. <laughs> um, but um, but anyway, it's um, uh, really interesting because it's and it's funny. It's sort of a bit like don't because there's it is the back. I don't know if you know the backstory. It's the story. The premise of the story. It's a morning mm. show, and there's a host. There's two hosts, and one host gets kicked out for sexual harass. Yeah. thing and and goes out and it goes through. But it really examines sexual politics mm. from all angles. It's really really good, and this writing on it is fucking great. And then Steve Carell's amazing. Mm. You know the acting is amazing. Yeah. You know, and I do this like I'm just. You know, it's fairly straight up the way it's done, yeah. but you know, really, really well. Nice. It's really like a classic example of like good American television. And, you know, mm. and uh, but the, but what they do is really interesting. My wife pointed this out last night. Was they're dealing with all this sexual um, misconduct and that, but they never show any sex. Right, good. Yeah, they never it never goes into the thing. It's more into the. The lead up and the retelling and the consequences of fallout. But the part about it that's interesting is the perspective of you know where you sit in and where women sit and where you know. And I, I and I think that you know when you get to examine those um, things as a, a you know, and that's that's a bit I love about my job is 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 I love I love the fact you get to go a lot of places but you also get to examine emotions and think thinking sometimes about how emotionally things you want to tell a story on the screen and, and not not get in the road of it as well mm. and not 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 present too much of an artifice yes. you know yeah yeah so as much as i love um roger deacon's work you can't no one can make a film if roger deacon shoots a film the director, it'll be a director's film, but it's a Roger Deakins film. Yes, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. He probably puts such a big stamp on it. Yeah. 
Don't tell him that though. That's right. <laughs> Don't tell him that though. Well, no, I know he's he's very aware. I yeah. think he's very aware, and I know that there's been situations where he's been pulled off jobs too. It hasn't all been. Yeah, that's right. Um, because you know the directors, and I think you know it's really important. I, my view is that I, I really love working with direct. I love being surprised because mm. when I first went to drama and shows, or the first ADs were often people who wanted to be directors, mm. and we'd do the block through for the scene, and they would say to me, "How would you shoot it?" And I'd say, "I'd sort of shoot it. You know, you could do this, you could do that, like blocking." to shoot scenes, if you wanted to do a class, I reckon I could teach directors how to shoot Australian TV drama badly <laughs> in about an hour. Yeah. But but they'd still stay employed by Australian producers. Yes, yeah. Um, the thing I would say to directors is, you know, don't be afraid to, don't be, that what I'm seeing now with producers and stuff and editing is that I'm, what I'm seeing now is, the fear is worse than ever. Mm. Directors are just covering the shit out of everything mm. and doing and and not. Whereas you know, Tori very much shot what you wanted to shoot yeah. in that film. So that you know, so it's in saying that, and I encourage it. And, and uh, anyway, yeah. you know, so I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And uh, you know, you bring up a interesting point about this idea of you know shooting project with fear being the driving force to oh we've got to cover it and and you know when it comes to lighting oh it's too dark or too bright or whatever oh it's you know like and i think that you touched on a little bit earlier about culture and in a way the culture of uh, the art of filmmaking people are starting to play start playing way too safe I think that's that's a risk yes. people are not willing to, and you know that because the 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 repercussion. Oh, but people will say this, that, and this, and you know, and we're not talking about being in your face and that kind of thing. It's more about you know if you believe in a concept, an idea, and you've got it in your head, you know, you got to push for it. And, and as a director, you know, it, uh, Alex Proyas actually mentioned this about because I asked about the process of directing and all that. That yes, it's a collaborative process, but it, the director has to have the vision, and and totally. and be really strong on it, and and you do have to have people, uh, the producers, and that be on that on that uh, train. They can't kind of be like, totally. And th- that's what I'm seeing. You know, I I, I have a minimal experience at, at this stage in the film industry, but I'm seeing a lot of that. And and you know, you read about it, you go, oh, that film, and then you watch the, you know, like a I don't know. A good example is. Uh, the Batman versus Superman, like I didn't go see it at the cinemas because I knew that with with Zack Snyder, he's he seems to be always getting screwed when it comes to theatrical releases, and I waited and oh, yeah, it? and I waited until the blue the Blu Ray was released and with his cut, and you know it was a good film, but everyone slammed mm-hmm. it at the cinema. Well, that's because they ripped the crap out of it, and you know like he he's a very strong visual director but obviously it's still out of his hands um and this is where the risk factor of, of you know like we talked about with um sue maslin she's the producer of um dressmaker and you know that mm. that it, that it, it is becoming like the, the safety of of all those kind of projects that they have to just 
you know, make sure that it fits into those categories and everything else rather than actually just telling a story. Um, you know, and it, it's, a, that's young, young, like it's interesting because like you mentioned about everyone now is just like do whatever, but that's the problem. If you don't have that discipline, you actually have too many options and you do end up playing safe because you want to make sure that it's all good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, a director I've done a lot with uh, who I really enjoy work with, Tony Tills, um, and he's just done uh, Miss Fisher film. Oh, yes, yep. He mainly works on Asian now. Um, but Tony always says that, and it, it's true, that the post-production process, it doesn't matter how risque you sometimes think you're going to be in a scene. Mm. By the time you put the sound, the right sound in the thing, you grade it, you put it in context, mm. is it things that you think at the time when you're shooting are so risque and dangerous, mm. but he calls it the blander. Well, the time the blander goes over the top of it, and, and that's the thing I see. Yes. My thing that's so producers is, like, like, don't tell wasn't everyone's cup of tea, mm. but I think Tori made a really good film because you made yes. a film that represented how she wanted to tell that story, and I think it's it's it funny sort of way it's 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 doing the sense of time and there's a lot of films that I've seen that I never saw at the cinema mm. I read reviews of it that said oh the film wasn't very good that I've gone and seen later Australian films and thought gee I thought that film was mm. actually okay and pretty interesting and was worthwhile we, we tend to get very critical of our films oh, yeah, but I think yeah, that's an Australian thing because we don't we don't really let people you know, we're so critical of thing. And I think one of the mistakes that DPs, young DPs can make is to get too obsessed with the technical. Yes, yeah. Like less is more and, like, if you haven't got the budget, shoot it on an Aerie Mini or fucking whatever mm. or a fucking, if, if you've really got no money and I've done this, just get Alexa Classics because mm. prob- they're probably given to you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. With a few lenses, you know what I mean? Like what I'm saying, but that camera still can oh, yeah. produce a really good result, yeah, yeah. you know? Like I said, we were shooting on 5Ds for years. Anyone thought they were the dust yeah. guts, yeah, you know, and, and it was limited this and that. But, you know, we just, we've got now everyone's into big format. Everyone's shoot big format. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. When you see it done brilliantly, yeah. but when you see it done badly, like, just think about the poor focus pool. I mean, <laughs> it was hard enough going from 16 mil to 35 mil, yes, you know. Yeah. I think, and that's one of the problems. I, I don't think some directors don't understand shooting to format, you mm. know, whereas Tori, someone like Tori does, but some other directors still think of shooting two-third inch video. It's like tighter, tighter, tighter. It's like, well, let's move the camera in and change the perspective or let's do something else, mm. you know. Like, I think that's something to really think about with you. With you, you know where where emotionally you want to be, and that's what I why I find Artemis really good because it's like you show the director, okay, you want a mid shot, do you want to be back here on a longer lens, mm. or do I be up close on a wide lens? Yeah, yeah. And you show them the shots, and they go, oh, no, I like that one. Mm. So you put, you know, you know what I mean? Like you can, you've got a chance now to A and B it to have a look. Yeah. So you know, you're taking some of that unsafety margin out. So yeah, look, it's it's like how you know, when you say, I wish that I, like, one of the things I'm trying to do now is not shoot things that I wouldn't watch myself, right? Mm-hmm. But I have done that because there's been different reasons why working and, you know, 
I try to think of three things like that I like the project and the script, that I enjoy the working with the people, you know, like, you know, that, that you know, because you can't say no to someone who's given you a lot of work when they say to you, hey, can you come and do this with me? Mm. You know, like there's a bit of a thing that I try to also go loyalty as well yeah, yeah. because, you know, people, and, and I think that sometimes that people can be a little bit too ruthless in that world as well. Mm. So, you know, and it's times like that that, you know, how you're like if you want to go and be ambitious and head off to America or somewhere else, and that's fine. Mm. But you know, people have long memories, and sometimes you just be very careful the decisions you make mm. that you don't burn people along the way because someone who'll ultimately, you know, you'll work with someone who'll be the assistant who will be a producer. And I've, you know, in my career, mm. I've seen that so many times you know and they have said to me oh you're always really nice to me when i was doing that so i you know i remember that mm. you know so that's what i was to think that we can sometimes get so caught up in our thing yeah and and drive the and at the moment too the other thing that's going on we're driving the the um rental companies because everyone wants all the latest stuff mm. and no one's got fucking money for yes. it yes yeah and the post houses, and they've, I'll tell you, after all this, it's going to be really interesting. Like, I think we won't have, I think everyone's, I think we won't have cheap flights anymore. No, no. We're not going to have, we're fucking, and I think we'll be, you know, there's going to be a lot of shit that will change. Yeah. And it'll have to. But I think people are just going to have to be a bit kinder and a bit nicer to everyone, you know, nicer to each other and, and just, and just, you know, just, Thing you know, just 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 have a little bit of empathy, mm. you know. And yeah, that's definitely part of it. And even from the um, create, like a, the, the filmmaker's point of view, I think this obsession of doing latest tech stuff. I think we need to take it back and and become more, um, you know, like more tactile with what we do. As in, you know, mm. we've got great stuff now. You don't need to keep. Let's let's work together and let's make some cool stuff you know you've got all, everything you need mm. even even you know myself i've got a couple led panels i've got a you know a tungsten small tungsten kit a low pro you know i've got a black magic pocket with l lenses we could shoot whatever like you don't yeah, you know yeah. what i mean so that's what i mean it's, it's it's almost back to yeah you don't need yeah but you know it's just funny how i see it's just really it's really interesting and i can imagine it's only different because I imagine some of the things I used to do, Ronnie Johansson used to just shake his head and go, <laughs> you know. And I, you know, so it's not like what we're doing is is any different, but I just think there's a point where, yeah, you've just, yes, no, it's just right. It's all, I mean, you can go and shoot on your iPhone or your yeah, eye yeah. thing or, or whatever. I mean, if you have a look at all the, but we're overall with content. I mean, mm. you know. There's so much of it, mm. you know. So it's interesting. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting. The whole thing. The whole thing's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm. I don't know where. It'll be interesting talking. You know what we see. What where we end up. You know, because you know people are talking to me about projects, mm. and um, and I'm going. I've got no idea. Mm. Like I'm not like. And I'm and how we're going to be working and you know yeah 
with what actors. I mean, I don't think anything's going to be the same. I, I think I think we're going to have to we're going to have to eat our lunch differently. We're going to have to work on set differently. I just think you know I saw that commercial council put out a thing of how they want occupational health and safety on commercial sets because they're still shooting. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I was someone was talking to me the other day saying, oh, there might be an interview. Could you shoot an interview with someone? And I said, yeah, sure. I'll just put my iPad on the thing. You, I'll Skype <laughs> you in. You can be there asking the questions and I'll put the camera beside the iPad yeah. or whatever, you know. I'm, 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 I know we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, you know, like I, 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 for different Things I think I, I don't think I don't the, the sad part of it is I don't think it's not all going to snap back no, exactly no. how it was. I think we'll we'll have to work. Money's going to like you said. I think we we will have to start be more empathetic towards our fellow humans, and I think that's a really good thing that could come out of it if we if our collaborative human race decides to go down that path. You know, we we mm. have a choice now to do that. Um, and with that comes, you know, that this kind of idea of community, you know, working together. So the community of filmmakers start, you know, it's not about competing and, and, and you know, the, the the potential reality is everything stopped, right? So, yes, there's a lot of content right now and people will be watching it for the next three, four months, but then there won't be any content. And the... The comfort that it gives a lot of people, you know, our audiences, that it gives them, and you know, it's a, sometimes it's a distraction, but a lot of times it's actually something that helps them get through the day. That's going to be gone. Mm. So there's gonna, there will be a level of demand, or there's going to be a shortage, definitely, eventually. You know, there's going to be a little, uh, you know, um, delay with projects. So that will be interesting as far as filmmakers that you know we. You know, it will be a case of, well, they started filming, I don't know, Elvis, for example. They might go, you know mm. what, we're just using only local crew. Yeah, we can't get them, but we have to finish the project, you know, and, and, and brings them in. Yeah, so I don't I, know. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, yeah. I'll be interested to see what happens with that one. Yeah. I reckon watch this space. It's going to be very interesting. Um, no, it's um, it's going to be really – it's going to be really um, – uh, Interesting, what how those projects, you know, and just the money to finance mm. those, you know, like that's you know, look, look, yeah, look, Peter, I, I, look, it'll all be fine, yeah, but it'll just be different, yeah, and it's going to be different, and and it, and and um, yeah, no, it's going to be very different, and um, yeah, and we'll adapt, so, and that's you know that's what we are, you know we can adapt, and feel the beauty of being a filmmaker is that we are very prone to adaptability because we you know totally. filmmaking that's and the creativity, what, yeah. So that's who we are. We'll finish off on a on a bit of a higher note. It's been really amazing having you to chat to you for a good amount of time. Um, what's a favorite film or TV show that that you just love going back to? But, you know, it doesn't have oh, to... one that I did or one that oh, I know well, either or, but just anything you love to watch over and over. It's interesting because I was talking to my daughter last night about films we love. <laughs> oh, and we're talking about actors and different things, but you know, one I'm what, what I do love at the moment, I don't know why, and I don't know whether it's because of my age, but I do like uh Paolo Sorrentino's Youth. 
Oh, yeah. You know, that film yeah. news. I don't know if you've seen that with oh, yeah. and I, and then I, I mean, I do love looking at, um, again, you know, going to Roger, not only Roger Deacon, but uh, um, but I do love a lot of that imagery in uh, The Assassination of Jesse James. Mm. You know, that guy, to me, from an imagery point of view. I mean, there's films I love because they're just so beautiful to look at, and there's other films I love because... They're a great film, and we were talking. Like, I was, we we're actually talking last night about having a film film nights because mm. I was talking about Gus Van Sant, and we we're talking about those films of the generation that define the generation. I mean, mm. um, I still think the original Blade Runner is amazing. I mm. mean, the, the twenty twenty one was incredible too. But mm. you go back to the original, some of those original films from the seventies, and as you say, The Godfather and all that, they still really hold up now. Oh, yeah, you know, there's still, yeah, there's timeless um, films like that. They, you know, Blade Runner. It will age now with technology, but it's still, yeah, it's an amazing piece of work. So. Incredible, even the way it's shot, and you know, just the lighting and all that's still relevant. You know, it's mm. not like it's. There's some films that you see and you can see the style of lighting. You know, we're definitely into a much softer, more naturalistic style of lighting with bigger, you know, yeah, things now, but um. But even some of those um, those great '80s films that are even a little bit more over the top are still great. You know, I mean, mm. Dante. You know, I I think that there's a lot there's lots of cinematographers' work I really like, um, and um, because I find it's always I'm always sort of surprised by it as well. But um, yeah, I haven't. I, I don't know what if they said what do you, what is your old penultimate fa- favorite film. Mm. It's hard for me to actually put a put it because some of the TV too that mm. you know, like the latest season of you know, like Ozark, I think has always been really good. You know, mm. even to go back and even look at some of the old X Files. You know, I, I worked, I did a film in Canada, and I worked with the operator who was the focus point on the X Files, and he started operating on it. And he told me that he, t- I don't know if this story is true, but he told me on the first season of the X Files that they um. The DP rang him and said, we're going to do this series. And he said, do we really want to do a series? You know, that was, this was in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, back then, yeah. Oh, look, and said, this will be great. He said, it'll never, it'll never go. It's so, the premise is so stupid and they want me to light it like really dark. They don't mm. care how dark it is. And it's all about, thing. it was the X-Files. Mm. <laughs> and he said, it was right. And he said, come and do it because it, honestly, there's no way it's going to get, it's no, there's no way the two characters, there's no way it's going to go past this pilot. <laughs> so anyway, interesting. And I, I think that story is very interesting because there's the thing about the bold, you know? Yes. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and the bold and that. So, you know, I'd say to people that, the, that, that, that it's sometimes good to go out there and be bold, you know? Yeah. And, but at the same time, sometimes if, you know, you got, and I was the last director I was working with, um, I really, uh, I really like. If you were saying of jobs, your favourite jobs for a lot of reasons. I mean, I really enjoyed shooting the last season of Preacher. Yeah, that, I mean, looks that was great. great. Yeah. That, yeah, that was yeah, but that was just great fun. You know, like fun, and I enjoyed all the directors, and I enjoyed the cast, and I enjoyed the crazy the showrunner and all that sort of stuff. It was just. And he would, they would just encourage you to go, oh, yeah, that looks great. And they're just going more over the top. <laughs> just going I'm like, like, really? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're the opposite because it's Seth Rogen and mm. they're like, I oh, know. The but I was talking to this director and 
um, who did she? I didn't work with her on preacher. She was on preacher, and but she was on. I was with her on clickbait before they shut us down. Called Laura, Laura Belsey. Um, she's a uh, American director and fantastic. But we're sometimes saying, you know, sometimes when you get two good actors on a really good dialogue scene, sometimes you don't want to get in the road of that. And yeah. Just. And if you have any as a compromise or whatever, but if sometimes you're just going to put two cameras, one on one and one on the other, and just let them go. Yeah. You sometimes, what you lose in the control of the image and the compromise, you'll make up with this incredible performance. And, mm. You know, so that's the trade off sometimes where you've got to go, do I, do I fight for this certain thing or does the director fight for his performance? And there, you know, and that's mm. where sometimes, sometimes the the great art of compromise, which the whole filmmaking thing is, is something you've got to take into consideration. You know. Yeah, um, that's a great little uh, takeaway, really, because for a cinematographer, it's like we read the script, and you do have to be like, you know, say, okay, in this moment, I, I, let the camera just be there and, and capture these people, because I can read the dialogue and I know this scene's. Way too. You don't. You don't, yeah. you don't need to get in the road. You don't need yeah. to get in the road of it. Or and then, you know, a bit like what I said. But don't tell. Don't put any artifice on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a wonderful little takeaway. Well, that was uh, uh, awesome that you shared so much, and and maybe we'll we do a little follow up after all this is over to see where we're at. That could be interesting. Will it be be interesting? Because. Because I could either have gone back and finished clickbait yeah. and I would have had Drover's Wife will be, I don't know when it'll come out because there's no film festivals. So, I mean, you know, so it's it's really, we, it's going to be really interesting in six months' time to mm. see where we are. So what are we saying now? We're in April, mid-April. So yeah. what, six months is right October, is it? Yeah, yeah, around there. I don't think it'll be six months. I reckon because we've, we've effectively just done a month, haven't we? Yes, so they 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 are potentially saying end of May we might be re- reducing the the restrictions. Well, I so. say by the end of May, okay, but nothing with. I don't think anything will start up talking oh. about starting up until June. Yeah. So if we're shooting in July or August, fantastic. Yeah, it just it worries me when they're talking about a peak in. August or September, that yeah. worried me because I just thought, yeah, it's a long time. Thanks very much for coming on and really look forward to hopefully seeing your uh, projects finished <laughs> and then and then uh, seeing them on, on Netflix with Clickbait and uh, The Driver's Wife. So, yeah, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Peter. With pleasure. Well, that was wonderful having Mark on and hopefully you've got lots out of it with his lot of insights into working in the Australian film industry as a DP and also the, you know, some ideas and visual styles that he discussed on his films. In the next episode, I talked to Nicholas McCullum, who's a production designer working in Australia. He's worked on such films as James Cameron's Sanctum 3D, Bait 3D, Kokoda and uh, many other feature films Uh, so yeah it'd be interesting to hear his uh, long lasting career in the film industry and talking about designing talk to you next week